Ah, and we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash Takes by Fans. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So however you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. Alrighty, today is a big old Wednesday. We are continuing on with our March Madness coverage and picking our picks for the bracket, trying to have that perfect bracket, that coveted perfect perfection bracket, calling all the upsets, knowing who's good, knowing who's going to lose first round. So we're going to be continuing on with the South, what do we got, the South region today? That we're breaking down and kind of running it through our algorithm like we've been doing the last couple of days here, getting us ready because March Madness does officially begin tomorrow about at five o'clock. Those were in the uh, the first four playing games start uh, tomorrow, and then Friday noon Eastern. That's when all the games start to break down. So we got two days to finish our bracket, and we intend on doing so, folks, and we intend on doing so flawlessly. Uh, so we got that today on the show. We'll cover basketball lightly and. Try to do a moneymaker. I don't think we hit yesterday at all. I think we did very bad yesterday. Um, not bad. I mean, we picked some solid picks, but like we chose Celtics minus four, and I think they lost by like seven. I think we took the Blazers. I think they were minus two. They went by one. It's just unfortunate. But um, so yeah, we'll try to get a moneymaker back on track. And so let's start here with the stories of the day. And I forgot to talk about. I don't know how this one slipped my mind. I don't know what I was thinking or what I wasn't thinking. But uh, we got to start here. A couple of days ago, breaking. Washington football team signed quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick and oh my goodness what a masterful move by the greatest coach of all time Ron Rivera folks I mean can this man get any better at coaching I don't think he can I mean well yes I know he can but you know he's just so great I, I just don't know if there's any more for him to go that's how good he is so uh, Ron Rivera brings in a great veteran Ryan Fitzpatrick to kind of help out you know um, Taylor Heineke. Um, this is going to be uh, well. I'm hearing that uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is like the clear cut starter, and I don't believe that for a second. I think this is going to be a kind of a true competition, and I really kind of think Taylor Heineke already has the edge. I think they're just bringing him in and just kind of a solid backup. I mean, we saw what Ryan Fitzpatrick did for Tua backing him up. I mean, he was the literally the definition. Well. I can't say perfection because he was throwing a lot of interceptions still, and they and he kind of get us off to a bad start, losing our first two games. So not great there, but. Uh, when he when he doesn't have to be the guy when the pre, when he's got no pressure on him so let's just say Tyler Taylor Heineke starts and Ryan Fitzpatrick has to come in and maybe you know finish a game like he did with two a couple of times that's what exactly what Ryan Fitzpatrick can do and plus he's a great mentor I mean this man is hyping up Tua on the sideline even though Tua took his job because Ryan Fitzpatrick started last year so I mean this man just wants to see everybody thrive he's he doesn't care he's a career backup so he knows what what it feels like to be the backup he knows how to kind of motivate the starters and just kind of you know be there for him and be like hey you know just some tips of what he's seeing on the sideline because like we said he is a huge veteran I think what is this 14 years in the league Taylor Heineke's barely been in the league I mean he was like what in the AFL that's where he got his you know big shot from so absolutely perfect signing here for Washington you get a great veteran who can kind of you know push Taylor Heineke because he is going to have to get pushed I mean we did like what we saw from Taylor Heineke but I mean obviously you can still be getting better here so absolutely 
absolute masterful job by Ron Rivera. And why, why why do we not think that this would be happening? I mean, we should have seen this happening. It just all made sense. I mean, we kind of got fooled for Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, possibly retiring a little bit. Then, you know, the next day he came out and be like, no, that story is nonsense. I do want to still play. And now he's at Washington, the literal perfect spot for this man. Absolutely. I, I, I Ron Rivera, he just keeps, you know, impressing me every single day. I can't, I can't get enough of it. And not only did this happen, we just get this as well. Uh, veteran running back Lamar Miller is heading to Washington football team uh, on a one-year deal. So once again, a great backup running back to what they already have, Antonio Gibson, who is kind of their main guy. And now you got Lamar Miller, who's definitely solid. He's a definitely solid backup running back, a number two running back. So, I mean, this man, Ron Rivera, he's like, hey, and we, so we told you all the quote. He's like, hey, if we don't get the big names, we're not worried about it. We're going to work with the pieces that we have. And he's getting some solid kind of backup number twos here it's just absolutely fantastic I really can't even wait to watch this man work in the draft I know he's going to pull out all the stops in the draft and get some probably great players at some great value maybe make a couple of trades up in the draft as well but um, Washington man watch out for them because honestly they're they're my number one team in the NFC East already I do not care the coaching is just above and beyond these additions here in this offseason I mean they're not focused on getting the big names because like Ron Rivera just said I mean they're ready to work what they have right now. They made it work last season. They got to the playoffs. They won the division. They challenged Tom Brady. Did y'all forget? Do not forget that Ron Rivera and Taylor Heineke almost single-handedly got rid of Tom Brady in the playoffs, and that would have just set off. Uh, who knows what would have happened then. Maybe Aaron Rodgers gets a ring if Tom Brady's not there. Who knows? Or maybe Drew Brees gets one more before he retires. Who knows? But uh, Ron Rivera, man, this man knows how to coach. He knows how to turn, you know, uh, average talent, maybe slightly below average talent into great starting players that can have success and give you great chances of winning games on a weekly basis. So absolutely. I just, I, well, I, I'm, I'm without speech with Ron Rivera folks. He is just masterful. It's masterful out here. You got to learn. Some coaches need to learn to do what uh, Ron Rivera is doing. Cause it's fantastic. Alrighty. And then here we go, folks. They, here we go, folks. Matt Nagy's got to be fired. I didn't think he was actually going to do it. I, ho I was hoping this was one of these fake stories we were talking about yesterday on the show that, you know, the Bears were in on Andy Dalton and then came yesterday, and I can't even freaking believe it. So here it is. Former Cowboys quarterback Andy Dalton is signing a one-year $10 million deal with a chance to earn another $3 million. So we'll get to that part in a second. But with the Chicago Bears, Matt Nagy, no, you just just sealed your coaching fate in this league. It's unfortunate, but Matt Nagy, enjoy your last season of coaching football at the head coaching position. In 2022, you'll be an offensive coordinator somewhere, having to work your way back up, having to kind of prove that you can make great decisions and just kind of smart decisions as a head coach because you, you swung and a miss on Mitch Trubisky, you swung and a miss on Nick Foles, and now you're going to be swinging and missing on Andy Dalton. I mean, folks, we tried to warn this man. We gave this man all the warning that he needed, and he did not heed our warning. How, how unfortunate. It takes by fans, man. Uh, people don't even listen to us. What is what is that about? <clears throat> so, 
<sighs> I don't even I don't even know where to start. I mean, there's just so much trash in this. Um, first of all, Andy Dalton's getting ten million dollars guaranteed. I mean, what the hell is that? What the hell is that? Cam Newton's getting five and having to work his way up to twelve. Um, Tyrod Taylor's getting like six and having to work his way up to twelve. We'll talk about Tyrod Taylor in a second. But I mean, you're 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 willing to just give Andy Dalton ten million dollars, especially what he did last season, not carrying this kind of Cowboys team to anything good, not even being able to win the NFC East. Folks, Andy Dalton could not even win the NFC East, folks. What are we doing? What are we doing? Oh, my gosh. Couldn't even beat the Eagles with – or couldn't even be better than the Eagles with Carson Wentz not even playing, you know, basically half the season. You know, and Jalen Hurts, he got outplayed by Jalen Hurts, and then he got outplayed by Daniel Jones with the Giants because I think they still had about, like, six wins. I think everybody was, like, seven or six wins. So, Daniel Jones is better than Andy Dalton, which is good. I mean, we like Daniel Jones here. We're not trying to, you know, set that up as a knock for Daniel Jones. Um, and then who's the last team? Washington. I don't want to knock that team either because I, I do like that team but still Andy Dalton should theoretically be better than Taylor Heineke be better than Jalen Hurts be better than Daniel Jones because the man has been in the league for like what 14 seasons ah ah Matt Nagy I cannot believe what you have done signing this man he doesn't elevate any talent I mean he didn't even work with Amari Cooper and CD Lamb what do the Bears have they have Allen Robinson who's very good don't get me wrong he goes and makes Mitch Trubisky look uh, competent out there so Andy Dalton is going at a little bit of below kind of receivers uh, he, he can't make it work he's not a leader he never did anything great and now Matt Nagy is kind of doubling down so they pay him uh, I, I'm hearing that he's going to be the starter. I don't know what that's about. Y'all better hope, or I, I'm hoping that Matt Nagy is going to try and draft a quarterback and get that drafted quarterback into the starting position as quickly as possible because uh, I'm telling y'all, Matt Nagy, this is his last year. This is his last chance. This is it, 2020, and he's going to ride with Andy Dalton on it. So, <sighs> I don't know what he just – I. I I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know what people are thinking sometimes. And uh, this this is just truly mind-boggling that they're signing Andy Dalton. I mean, you've already got Nick Foles, who's on a massive contract. Mitch Trubisky's not there anymore. And so, you know, you go with Andy Dalton. So Andy Dalton must be the starter because you're not starting Nick Foles. We, we, we already saw what he can do. It's nothing great. I mean, he couldn't even score more than like seven points every single game he was out there. You're not winning games by scoring only seven points. Uh, so Andy Dalton... Uh, I don't even know. Andy Dalton, Nick Foles, good luck winning games with any of those quarterbacks. I don't care who you put out there. They're both trash. So, Matt Nagy, congrats. You just got fired from the NFL. Congrats. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And then we get – I mean, he was trying – at least they were trying to get Russell Wilson. So, here we go. Chicago offered three first-round picks, a third, and two starters for Russell Wilson, and Seattle denied it. I mean, yeah, that's all good. Three first-round picks and two starters. I want to know who those two starters were um, because if you weren't offering Khalil Mack, you weren't very serious about this. Um, so, um, because I almost can guarantee if you gave Seattle three first-round picks and a nice edge rusher in uh, Khalil Mack, mm, they may have taken that. But, um, yeah, I mean, they offered three first-round picks. I mean, I don't care. I, I would trade. I would do that as well. I would trade all my first-round picks. I truly do not care about picks. If I'm getting a great quarterback that can lead my team, I will work around in free agency. I will work with kind of, you know, below-average players to try to – because Russell Wilson can elevate below average players into great players, unlike Nick Foles, Andy Dalton, and Mitch Trubisky have been doing. 
Um, so they tried to get Russell Wilson. They couldn't. So they were like, all right, let's go with Andy Dalton instead. I don't, I don't know, man. They, I, I, I pray, I am praying that Matt Nagy is going to draft a quarterback in the draft because that's really the only success I can see the Bears having. Um, if they get a rookie quarterback that will instantly be better than Nick Foles and Andy Dalton. But, uh, I don't see that happening, unfortunately. Oh man. I, I can't even, I'm disgusted. I'm true. Folks, I'm truly disgusted here. Um, Matt Nagy, congrats. <laughs> congrats on getting fired. <laughs> All right, we definitely got to move on because I can't talk about that anymore. So here we go. Jacoby Brissett. We were just talking about this, that this possibly could be the best backup quarterback that was available. Were we wrong? Maybe. But uh, Jacoby Brissett has agreed with a one-year deal with the Dolphins. All right, I'm about it. We just got rid of Ryan Fitzpatrick. We still need kind of somebody to fill that void of our quarterback number two. We all know two is a starter, no doubt. And he shouldn't be getting pulled from games now his second year. But, um, yeah, Jacoby Brissett, I am kind of a decent fan about this man. I mean, he's always been a career backup. Now, when we look at his stats, they're definitely not impressive. Don't I mean, we're not trying to say that this man's like the greatest, you know, quarterback of all time or anything like that. But, you know, as a backup, he's solid. He doesn't turn the ball over. That's our biggest thing that we love about Jacoby Brissett. So two seasons where he played a lot of games, 15 games, two seasons. He did that in his five season career here. So in those two seasons where he played 15 games, 58.8% uh, completion percentage and 3000 yards, not great. And they also went four and 11. So not great there. The completion percentage definitely needs to get better, but look at this, the 13 touchdowns with the seven interceptions. That's all. That's very close to two to one. That's exactly where we want you to be. So he's not throwing a lot of interceptions, which we absolutely love. And then in 2019, once again, playing 15 games, went seven and eight, so increased his record from four and eleven in 2017 to uh, seven and eight in 2019. So getting better—that's what we love to see. 61% completion percentage, fantastic. We do want you to kind of be like 62 to 65, but he's right there getting better every single season. Uh, yards, we're pretty much the same, 2,900. Um, and then 18 touchdowns and six interceptions, folks. That's three to one touchdown to interception ratio. That's what we're talking about, not turning the ball over. And that's exactly what backup quarterbacks should be doing, giving you, you know, about a decent, you know, 40 to 50% chance of winning the game, but not turning the ball over, just being the game manager. So Jacoby Brissett has kind of proven that he can just come in and be the game manager when he needs to be and that's all you're asking for your backup quarterbacks to do so uh love it that he's back here or that he is here with the Dolphins great backup I think he brings a great energy I mean everybody speaks so highly of this man so he's a great he's a great kind of athlete and a competitor to have in your locker room and he's not going to be upset of being the backup to Tua so absolutely fantastic once again Brian Flores strikes with kind of some great signings here <clears throat> I mean, uh, Brian Flores, Ron Rivera, they know how to coach, folks. They know what players they want on their team, and I'm all about it. Alrighty, moving on. Tyrod Taylor's getting another chance here. He is signing with the Texans. And uh, once again, just kind of comparing it to, you know, Cam Newton's and Andy Dalton's contract. I mean, Tyrod Taylor's getting $6 million. That can be worth up to twelve point five. Same thing with Cam Newton. Same thing with James Winston. But they're giving Andy Dalton the $10 million right out of the gate. Uh, what are we doing here? So not, so not only did Matt Nagy get a bad quarterback, he overpaid for a bad quarterback. It's just truly comical at this point. Um so here we go. Uh, very well done to Tyrod Taylor. I mean, I, I feel so bad for this man. I mean, I did not even lose his starting job just on himself. I mean, because honestly, he he probably would have played most of the season if he was winning games decently. If he was, you know, you know, zero and six, they would have went with Justin Herbert. But if he was, you know, four and two, three and three, I think they probably would have still kind of rocked with Tyrod Taylor. So unfortunate that a doctor punctured his lung and kind of ruined his career there in uh, the Chargers. But now he's here with the Texans, and we still don't. 
don't know what's going on with Deshaun Watson. So, yes, he's kind of a backup right now, but he definitely could be the starter. If, you know, Deshaun Watson is a 1,000% dead set on leaving the Texans, which it kind of seems like he is because we already got that Deshaun Watson will be sitting out games. So, Tyrod Taylor, he could get his kind of second chance here, his third, second chance here of trying to get back into the starting kind of rotation of starting quarterbacks in this league. Definitely think he should be getting looks at a starting quarterback job. I think, I mean, the Bears definitely should have went with Tyrod Taylor over Andy Dalton a thousand trillion percent. I do not understand the Andy Dalton pick, and I never will. I'm getting frustrated again, but uh, congratulations for Tyra Taylor getting paid, getting, you know, kind of just getting paid to be a backup, but also could be a starter. So watch out for Tyra Taylor, folks. Um, Alrighty, moving on. Raiders, they go and gobble up wide receiver John Brown from the Bills on a one-year $5 million deal, and this is fantastic. And now this Raiders team could be dangerous because now they got a lot of speed. They got Henry Ruggs, who ran like a 4-3-40. John Brown ran like a 4-2-40, folks. This man is speed, 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 like a 4 2 Two, four, two, eight, something like that. Really kind of crazy. Um, he may have ran the fastest 40 time in NFL history. Don't quote me on that, but he is a speedy wide receiver. You couple that with Henry Ruggs. You couple that speed with the great uh, size and speed of Darren Waller. So watch out for the Raiders. This offense could be explosive. We know Derek Carr's got the great deep ball. They got some great deep threat wide receivers. Just sheer speed of just beelining it on some fades and beating out the safeties um, down, uh, down the field. So we'll see what happens, but... But um, they got some nice weapons here offensively. We'll see if they can put a, an entire season together, though. That's the one knock that we have on the Raiders. They fall apart at the back half of the season. Alrighty, but uh, the Bills, so they did lose John Brown, but they get Emmanuel Sanders, folks. The Bills are signing wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders, and that is absolutely fantastic, folks. Now this Bills team is stacked. You got Stephon Diggs as the true number one. Emmanuel Sanders can still be a great number two wide receiver, and then you got Cole Beasley. So, absolutely fantastic. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders, he's already got practice of being a number two. I mean, he was with the Saints last year, folks. <clears throat> Where is he at? Here we go. He was with the Saints last year, folks, so he knows what it be like. He knows how it is being a number two wide receiver, so he can go in and fit in the Bills system perfectly as a number two with Stephon Diggs being the number one. So, uh, Emmanuel Sanders last season as a number two wide receiver, 726 yards, five touchdowns, but his catch percentage is so grateful. This man's got some great hands, and he is consistent with the catch. I mean, just last season, 74% completion or catch percentage. Um, the then in 2019, 68% catch percentage with two different teams. So, I mean, getting traded midseason or just leaving midseason in your catch percentage is still pretty dango with 68. Then in 2018, 72%. So, I mean, this man can catch the ball, folks. Watch out. And then he also can be the number one wide receiver as well if it needs to be that. Because, you know, in those Denver years, him and Demarius Thomas, they were kind of, you know, the number one and two interchangeably kind of on some days. But when, you know, he was with uh, the Denver Broncos, I mean, we're talking about three straight thousand yard seasons. Um <clears throat> So that's absolutely fantastic. So he can fill in as the number one. He can be the number two. This is absolutely perfection for the uh, for the Bills now. You get better. You get deeper at the wide receiver position. More weapons for Josh Allen. More improvement room for Josh Allen now that you don't only have to you focus on Stephon Diggs. Uh, so uh, the Bills are fantastic. I do kind of want to just point this out that uh, I think the Bills' last lack of success in the playoffs these last two seasons, I know they just made it to the AFC championship game but just their offensive production is very lackluster compared to the regular season in the offseason 
or in the postseason in the playoffs. Um, and I don't attribute that to Josh Allen. I attribute that to their head coach, Sean McDermott. I feel like he's so freaking conservative in the play calling. They don't let Josh Allen open it up in the playoffs. And I think that's a huge mistake because the, what they do in the regular season offensively is absolutely magnificent, folks. I mean, this man can air it out. He can go for 65, 69, 70% completion percentage. This man can go for, you know, 300, 400 yards in a game. No problem. He doesn't really throw too many interceptions either. Either. But Sean McDermott in the playoffs, he, he clams up heavily. So hopefully they don't start to clam up because now you've got two great wide receivers. So this offense should really just go steamroll through in the playoffs. So I don't think Josh Allen's the main reason for their <clears throat> kind of, and, and, I, and I say lack of success, not so heavily, just, like we just said. I mean, they just made it to the AFC Championship game, so I'm not knocking that, but they really could have won that game if they were a little bit more competitive. They almost lost to the Colts the first round, giving, you know, Phillip Rivers that last chance at, at winning the game because they were only down, like, three or something like that and giving, you know... Um, Philip Rivers, one more opportunity with like two minutes left. He couldn't capitalize because classic Philip Rivers never capitalizes on anything in his career. So we knew they weren't going to win the game. But once again, I mean, very close wins in the playoffs. And just because they weren't putting up a lot of points, because they weren't airing out the ball, because they were conservative on offense. So that's just my one knock on the Bills right now. But everything else is looking absolutely great for this team moving forward. Alrighty, Giants getting a little deeper, and this is a little interesting signing. I do like it. So here it is. John Giants signed wide receiver John Ross to a one-year deal. So Daniel Jones getting, you know, a decent weapon here now. He did not do really great things in Cincinnati, John Ross. He was there for four seasons, really never got off the ground there, never solid catches, never solid yards, never just really solid playing time. But he did run a nice 440. <clears throat> oh, I think it was John Ross who ran the career, not the... Um, I think John Ross is at like 4-2-40, where, uh, who did I just say? It was uh, John Brown. He's at like 4-3, 4, three, four, four 40. Uh, But John Ross, I believe he is the wide receiver that is the um, fastest 40 time in NFL history, which is kind of crazy. So he's got the speed there. Definitely, you know, that try to use that to your advantage with Daniel Jones. <clears throat> but um, just back to John Ross for a second here. Um, I mean, we can bring up his stats. Let's just bring up his stats here. He had four seasons with the Bengals. I mean, three of them with Andy Dalton. So what, what do we expect him to really do there? I mean, never really got a lot of games under his belt. <clears throat> and then came in 2020 where COVID happened and he kind of sat out for a little bit. But then, you know, he just kind of got benched and they just kind of wrote him off that they weren't going to kind of play him. And they were elevating all these other wide receivers over uh, John Ross. So this man is definitely interesting. He's very fast, very quick. So that's kind of his great strength at the wide receiver position. He's only 5'11", so not the tallest. Uh, still decent size there compared to everybody else. Uh, but um, definitely am interested to see if he can kind of revitalize his career, have a breakout season, because in four seasons with the Bengals, he only rushed, he only received for 733 yards through four seasons. That's total, folks. So definitely can be a little bit better. Just never got a lot of burn with the Bengals. The quarterback was never great. Uh, Joe Burrow was there for only a couple of games this season, and he wasn't even playing. And then Joe Burrow got injured and John Ross still was not playing for this team. So <clears throat> we'll see what he can do with Daniel Jones. I am kind of, you know, excited to see what uh, um, Jason Garrett can do as the offensive coordinator in season two, especially with some, you know, different kind of skill pieces around Daniel Jones now with Saquon Barkley getting healthy. I mean, the speed on this team could be a little 
little deadly, a little dangerous. Uh, so we'll see what happens because we know Daniel Jones can run. Saquon Barkley obviously is fast. You know, John Ross is quick. So we'll see if they get kind of, you know, a little, um, little innovative with their offense here. So we'll see what happens. But uh, watch out for the Giants next season, folks. I'm about them. Alrighty, we kind of covered this one lightly at the end of last night's show. So here it is. Uh, and Dominic Kinsu is re-signing with the Bucks. So that's absolutely fantastic. I mean, this man was making such an impact in the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. Just up front, fantastic. Him and Jason Pierre-Paul were absolutely wrecking offensive lines. So they get one half of that piece back in Dominic Kinsu, But we're still waiting to see if JPP is going to be back. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but I mean the Bucks, man. I mean they got their offensive pieces back, their defensive pieces are coming back. So watch out. Can Brady do it again? Can Brady win two in a row? That would I, there would be no point of talking football anymore, folks. It would just be like nothing will ever compare to what Tom Brady has ever done. So there's no point of even watching or trying to do that anymore. So uh, Tom Brady could put an end to the NFL next season, folks. Next season, if the Bucks win it, if Tom Brady wins his eighth ring in 11 Super Bowls, there will be no point of, of ever playing NFL again or watching it or anything like that. So everybody can pack it up. We're done with the we're done with the NFL next season if the Bucks win it. Alrighty, moving on. Little Eagles news here. Zach Ertz has gotten permission from the Eagles to seek a trade. They're not going to bring him back. Um, kind of mutually splitting up here, maybe a little bit. I think Zach Ertz still wanted to be there. Unfortunately, the Eagles are moving on. But uh, a nice tight end out here available on the market. And you know Billy B is licking his chops after you know signing two uh, tight ends yesterday. And I think Zach Ertz is probably the best free agent tight end that there is right now. So I think Bill Belichick kind of jumped the gun a little little bit not getting Zach Ertz but you know he could still maybe still pick him up we'll see what happens but uh Zach Ertz I think we can put him in the conversation of kind of tier one uh tight ends over here he's got the ability to kind of catch for the thousand yard season he did it in 2018 with 1100 yards with eight with eight touchdowns but I mean this man's putting up you know seven eight hundred nine hundred yards consistently this is his stretch from 2013 to 2020 469 yards 700 yards 850 yards 800 16 yards, 824 yards, 1,100 yards, 916 yards, and then just only 335 yards this season because you had the whole Carson Wentz thing and then moving on from him to Jalen Hurts and, you know, just that. So, obviously, his production is going to go down when there's a quarterback carousel on. So, Zach Ertz, a great tight end here, great catching tight end, and I think, we, like we say, we have to put him in kind of the tier one wide uh, tight ends of... George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Rob Gronkowski, Zach Ertz. He might be the last player on that tier one list, but I think we definitely can put him up here. So a great tight end is still out there, folks. If your team is needing a tight end, go and get Zach Ertz. This man can get it done. He can be, you know, Travis Kelsey, no 0.5, you know, half of him. So. Alrighty, and then here we go. Titans release uh, first-round cornerback Adoree Jackson, just not getting enough production out of him. I do still think he's a decent corner out here. Uh, so the Titans release him to sign Janoris Jenkins from the Saints, cornerback from the Saints. So Titans, I think they're shoring up their defense a little bit. We just saw them lose kind of a huge wide-receiving piece. So just I think they're going to start focusing on the running game and their defense because that's really what's going to lead them to a championship. They've kind of noticed these 
last two seasons. We really can't rely on Ryan Tannehill to go out and win us the games. He is a serviceable quarterback. He's an above average game manager quarterback in this league. He just can't go and win you every single game or win you the biggest games by himself. So they're going to shore up their defense a little bit in this offseason. Once again, rely on Derrick Henry because why would you not? The man is absolutely fantastic and try to win a ring through those two means. Running the ball, defense, let's lock it down defensively. Let's run out the clock. Let's score the ball, running the ball, and just let, you know, Ryan Fitz or Ryan Tan <clears throat> Tannehill. Just kind of be the game manager, not turn the ball over, you know, use his legs when he can. We obviously can't really rely on the deep ball anymore because we did just lose a nice wide receiver, a nice tall wide receiver. So I think um, I think I am down with this Titans plan. We I knew that Ryan Tannehill could never kind of win a ring on his own. So this is what you have to do to kind of fill that void. They are in a win now mentality. Uh, maybe for the next season after this season, they probably look for like look past Ryan Tannehill and try to you know set themselves up with a kind of better, more consistent quarterback that can you know win you the game throwing the ball alone. So a um, little interesting. We'll kind of track their defensive kind of pickups throughout the rest of the offseason. But uh, this Titans team, man, they can be very dangerous. They truly could be dangerous. If they had a great defense, oof, oof, folks, oof. <laughs> Alrighty, we get a uh, tweet here by uh, Diana Ruzzini, who works for ESPN. She is verified on Twitter, so we can kind of take her as a legitimate source here. She says, quote, just spoke to a free agent wide receiver to find out what's going on with all the receivers still unsigned. He said, quote, the wide receiver market is really bad right now. Um, <clears throat> and we're going to talk about this in a second, but free agent uh, actually begins today at 4 o'clock. So at the four, once 4 o'clock hits, watch out for a ton of signings and a ton of cutting um, at, at that time at 4 o'clock today Eastern. So, um, interesting here that they say that the wide receiver market is really bad right now, and that's kind of, you know, what we've been seeing. We're seeing everybody get signed tight ends, defensive backs, offensive linemen, running backs. Um, but besides those top-name wide receivers, we still don't know about Juju. We still don't know about Will Fuller right now. So, um, just absolutely um, kind of crazy that the wide receiver market is really bad right now. But then we can also attribute that to the kind of – kind of depth at wide receiver in the draft. I mean, we're getting Devontae Smith, Lamar Chase, Jalen Waddell. I mean, we're talking about some great wide receivers that a lot of people are going to be fighting over in that first round. So I think a lot of teams are like, yeah, there are some nice wide receivers out there right now, but if we can get one uh, in a steal kind of early in the draft, I think we'd take that talent because Juju Smith-Schuster is good, but he you know has some off-field antics. Will Fuller can't stay healthy, and I think he got suspended for people. PEDs at the back half of the season, and I feel, still think he might be suspended for the, maybe the first two games of the season. Don't quote me on that. Um, and then Emmanuel Sanders just got signed. That I, I think that, in my opinion, he was the best uh, wide receiver that there was. So uh, a little interesting here, but we'll see if uh, anything changes here at 4 o'clock today. Once free agency begins, I would expect a lot of wide receivers to be signed really kind of around 4 o'clock today. And then that brings us to this tweet. Free agency officially begins today at 4 p.m. Eastern. Now free agents can officially sign. And so not only can free agents sign, but teams over the salary cap will need to get under it fast. Or they lose, you know, uh, they get fined by the league. They also get stripped of their draft picks. So that's not great. Nobody wants to lose draft picks. So uh, I'll expect a lot of teams to sign players at 4 o'clock and expect a lot of teams to be cutting players to get 
get under that cap at 4 o'clock today. So it's going to be hectic today, folks. Watch out for 4 o'clock. Tomorrow's show is going to be wild. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. Alrighty, two more stories to go over. Here, here is a second to last one. <clears throat> well, we all know the Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff trade. Jared Goff going to the Lions, Matt Stafford going to the Rams. And then we talked about um, defensive end Michael Brockers on Matthew Stafford. We talked about this quote saying that Michael Brockers said that uh Matt Stafford is a level up of Jared Goff is talking about his new quarterback because there Michael Brockers is on the Rams and Matt Stafford just got traded to the Rams. So he's like, oh yeah, baby, this is a nice old upgrade for us. We're going to get to the Super Bowl now. That's about that man was thinking, but... But Michael Brockers just got traded to the Lions. So he just disrespected Jared Goff, and now he has to go play back with Jared Goff. Not really great. You definitely don't want to say, oh, yeah, this new quarterback that we got is better than our old one, and then have to go and play back with that old quarterback you just disrespected. So not really great here. You got to watch what you say sometimes. You're not guaranteed. I mean, it's just so funny. I What was it? A couple of seasons ago. I can't remember the specifics, but – um. I think it was a wide receiver, you know, they got a great quarterback on their team, and he was like, oh, yeah, now we're ready to rock, and then they traded him the next day, the wide receiver. It's just so funny when that happens. Uh, you know, nothing's safe in this league. You're never kind of safe on a team, and uh, you think you're getting upgraded with uh, quarterback talent, and then you have to uh, uh, get traded to a very, very worst team. That's with the first-year head coach of Dan Campbell. So good luck there. So Michael Brockers, defensive end, it got traded to the Lions and repairing back up with uh, Jared Goff. Alrighty, and then the last story to talk about in the NBA. I know we're going a little light on talking about the NBA because of Mark Madness, but hey, it's still Dame time, baby. Dame time never mother-loving stops, folks. The Blazers were down the entire game against the Pelicans, and then came the fourth quarter where Damian Lillard said, I'm sick of losing. CJ McCollum, this was your first game back. I thought you were going to help me out a little bit, so I guess I have to take over like I do, and that's exactly what this man did. He dropped 50 points, I think 20 of them, we're in the fourth quarter alone, and then here it is. Game winning free throws for Damian Dollar. Mother loving clutch. I will win the game defensively. We've seen this man win the game on the defensive end of the ball, locking it up defensively, blocking the last, last shot, uh, just playing absolutely lockdown defense for the last shot of the game. Uh, we've seen him hit countless of buzzer beater threes. We don't need to talk about all those because we've seen him so much. So we've seen him lock it up on the defensive end for the win. We've seen him hit lights out from three, back-to-back -back threes to just ice the game and win the game. We've seen him hit mid-range jumpers to win the game. And now we get him winning the game at the free throw line, tied 124-124 with one second left, and he's ready to drain this last free throw. So let's watch this game-sealing free throw by Damian Lillard. Here it is, game-winner clutch time baby 50 points there it is Zion does have a nice little opportunity to win this game down low but he's not clutch I mean we're talking about Damian Lillard clutch he's clutch he's the only clutch player in the league folks Damian Lillard give this man the MVP I'm over it winning game single-handedly every single time he's out on the floor absolutely magnificent performances game in game out by Damian Lillard 50 points folks come on they were losing the entire game and they come back to win so shout out to Damian Lillard he's 
He's our MVP front runner. I do not care anymore. I have seen enough. Yes, I like what James Harden is doing. Don't get me wrong. Yes, I like what Joel Embiid is doing. Don't get me wrong. But I'm talking about clutchness after clutchness. We have never seen a player this clutch in this league. We have never seen this before. I mean, we're talking about LeBron James and Michael Jordan, who, you know, yes, are very clutch. But um, when we kind of break down the stats, I, I forget what their percentage is, but it, it's not it's nothing great. I think it might be like 50%. Um, I don't even think it's 50%. Whatever it is, Damian Lillard is a thousand percent clutch. I can always rely on him. He will always hit that last shot. I do not care. He will always be clutch. So, here it is once again, Dame Dollar Bill, tall Dame Dollar Bill, y'all. Here he is once again, being clutch. Respect this man. Alrighty, those were all the stories we needed to cover for today. So let's kind of quickly highlight what happened yesterday in the NBA. We'll go, we'll kind of quickly go over the stats a little bit. Um, we'll try to fit in a moneymaker today. I think we can fit it in. And then we'll head over to our uh, March Madness coverage. So here we go. Last night in the NBA, Celtics, Jazz. Celtics were pretty competitive until late in the fourth quarter where the Jazz kind of took over and were a little bit more clutch than the Celtics. Uh, Jason Tatum, unfortunately, what has not been the clutchest person at the free throw line uh, late in the game to kind of make it kind of a, I believe like a one point game or a two point game. He misses a free throw, but then he ends up getting the rebound of his own free throw and then misses the putback. I mean, come on. He could have tied up the game right there. So just unfortunate there for the Celtics. Jazz are able to hold on for the win. 117, 109. All right, Cavs in the heat. And all right, Cavs scoring a little bit better, more than 80 points. So that's good, but the offense is still nothing really great here. Let's quickly look at what the Cavs did offensively. Because that's the problem we've been seeing with the Cavs ever since Larry Nance Jr. Um, and Kevin Love have came back in kind of this rotation here. They've been very, very lackluster offensively. Kevin Love didn't play last game, but Larry Nance Jr. still did. And, you know, the, the points went up. Is that is that a correlation? Yes, it is. <laughs> Kevin Love, stop, stop playing for this team, please. You're not making them any better. So, Kellen Sexton has a little bit of a better night, 21 points. Um, Jared Allen still a little light on the points, 8 points, but he did have have 10 rebounds. Uh, Larry Nance Jr. with 14 points. Darius Garland with 11. Uh, JaVale McGee with 16 off the bench. Wow, 16 points and 8 rebounds. All right, that man's kind of starting to pick it up here in this kind of back half of the season, so I'll give that man credit. We've been not really clowning, but really haven't been talking highly of uh, JaVale McGee, but um, hey, I'll give him this. 21 minutes with 16 points and 8 rebounds. Fantastic. Second leading scorer of the squad. Definitely great there. So, uh, Cavs, they still lose, but look at this Heat team, folks. Yes, sir. Heat winning another one. I want to say they are 10-0 and in their last 10. When was the last time they lost the game? Let's get these uh, standings. Yes, they are... They're 9-1 in their last 10 on a five-game winning streak. So, absolutely fantastic. The Heat are back, folks. The Heat are back, officially. Alrighty, the Knicks, once again, losing a close one to a really good team. They just lost close to the Nets, and now they just lost close to the 76ers, the two best teams in the East, and they challenged them both. They challenged them both, folks. Went the wire, went down to the final seconds of the fourth quarter. So, unfortunately, another close loss here for the Knicks, losing 96-99. to No Joel Embiid for the 76ers, and they still are able to get it the win. So, very well done to them. Let's shout out some 76ers real quickly. Ben Simmons, 16 points, 13 rebounds. Fantastic, 7 assists. Uh, Danny Green, oh my gosh, why did we look? Why did we look? Why did we look? Danny Green, 3 points, 1 of 10 shooting. 10% shooting, folks. He shot 10%. <sighs> Danny, Danny, Danny. 
I don't even know why we looked. But very well done to Tobias Harris with 30 points. Very well done to Seth Curry for 20 points. Both of those stepping it up hugely. Um, so fantastic there. <clears throat> and then look at this. Dwight Howard off the bench, 11 points, 12 rebounds. Ferkman, Korkmaz, 12 points. I mean, literally everybody's stepping up besides Danny Green. So that is just classic, right? Alrighty, what else do we get here? Thunder losing against the Bulls here. Once just Shea Gills Alexander couldn't do it all himself here. Uh, Bulls win 123-102. Let's quickly check on Shea Gills Alexander. Let's see what he did. 21 points and one assist and one rebound. He did not have that great of a night. And let's keep a tab on our sixth man of the year candidate. Um, oh, did he not play? Where is he at? Oh, he gets in the starting lineup. Oh, yes, sir. Love this. Thaddeus Young getting at the starting five here at the center position. And he drops 17 points, six assists, nine rebounds, two steals, shot 72%. Yes, sir. Love this, man. Respect Thaddeus Young, folks. Woof. Six man of the candidate getting up into the starting position. That's what we love to see out here. Let's see how he did against his... Uh, opponent here on the Thunder, Moses Brown. He put up 20 points and 16 rebounds, but he was a minus 18 on the floor. Alright, Thaddeus Young getting it done. Alright, not too much defensively, but I mean, this is great offensive production. 17 points, 9 rebounds, and 6 assists. We can definitely get behind that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Love it. Thaddeus Young. Woof. Good thing we checked that. Good thing we checked that. Alrighty, let's keep going here. Hawks and the Rockets. Rockets, once again, losing. Is that a surprise to anybody? No. No, they are trash. They, I think they only had like eight players play last night. <laughs> like only eight players available to play last night. What do we got? Five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, literally nobody else was available available to play. Um, great job by Victor Oladipo. And, you know, we kind of say that a lot of times. It's always good job, Victor Oladipo. Good, good game, John Wall, but they still end up losing. Um... Kevin Porter Jr. I mean, this man's really coming into his own here. Love it. 22 points, 8 assists, 4 rebounds. He didn't shoot the best. 2 of 9 from 3 and 47% overall. But, um, yeah, not bad there by Kevin Porter Jr. Really kind of making the most of his opportunity here. So we're definitely all about that. Um, is he a rookie? No, one-year experience. So one year in the league. But, um, yeah, get this man um, some more minutes here on this Rockets team. I mean, they're going nowhere. They're officially almost eliminated from the playoffs, honestly. Um, once you get Christian Wood back, start running some, you know, Christian Wood at the five. Uh, maybe Kevin Porter Jr. at the three, maybe. Maybe move him to the forward because you still want to make room for Victor Oladipo and John Wall. Um, but, yeah, definitely give this man some more minutes here. Kevin Porter Jr., love what this man's doing. Um, and then Trey Young, you know, 13 points, 14 assists. Y'all know what that man does. Clint Capella didn't even play, and they still get it done. Daniel Gallinari at the five, they did, and he put up 29 points and six rebounds, so very well done. Um, so the Hawks get the win, 119-107 over the Rockets. Alrighty, Blazers and the Pelicans. We showed you Dame Dalabil, y'all. Uh, 50 points, 6 rebounds with 10 assists. I mean, folks, he's putting up 50 points and 10 assists. I mean, if Kyrie Irving was going to drop 50 points, he'd have like 1 or 2 assists. I mean, Damian Lillard, let's start respecting this man a little bit more. So, very well done by the Blazers. But once again, this Pelicans team not winning the game in the fourth quarter. Young team. Got to get a little bit better at the coaching. I mean, I do like Stan Van Gundy. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a very solid coach in this league. I would say above average. I would even say maybe great. 
maybe great, maybe a great coach, but um, got to start closing out these games. I mean, a lot of these losses here are just losing in the fourth quarter. That's really it. They're good everywhere, everywhere else, just cannot close out games. Um, they're being competitive against kind of these upper uh, echelon teams of the Blazers and the Bucks, and uh, uh, they were close against the 76ers the other night. Am I mistaken? But um, they just can't win in the fourth quarter. Truly unfortunate. So if they can start being a little bit more clutch, start closing out games, we can start talking about them as kind of playoff contenders. But currently they are number 11 in the West. And even with the new format this year where, you know, 7 through 10 play a uh, kind of a tournament style to figure out the 7th and 8th seed, uh, the Pelicans are number 11 outside looking in of that kind of playoff spot. So uh, they do have their work cut out for them. They need to start closing out games. Come on. You've got talent. It's not like y'all have no talent. Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson. I mean, somebody be the closer on this team, please. Alrighty, then the last game of the night, the Lakers and the Timberwolves and the Lakers take care of them. No problem. They put up 137 points as well. So very well done for the Lakers. Let's shout out who stepped up on this team because we still know we still know no Anthony Davis here. LeBron James, 25 points, 12 assists, 12 rebounds, triple-double for the man. And 4 of 7 from 3. He's back on track with the 3. Now that it's March, he's ready to rock with the 3-pointers. He had an awful February shooting 3s, but um, here he's back, 4 of 7. Love to see that. Wow, they got great production from their bench. Dennis Schroeder, 16 points, 7 assists. He wasn't off the bench, but still decent production there. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, 16 points, 4 assists, 7 rebounds. Kyle Kuzma, 16 points. And Montrez Harold, Montrez mother loving Harold. Yes, sir. Still not in the starting, you know, center position, which I do not like. I I understand that they want to save him for the bench, but man, oh man. Um, I mean, we're having Damian Jones in the starting rotation at eight points and three rebounds. Mm, give me Montrez Harold, who's putting up twenty five points and six assists and four rebounds. Yes, sir. Love Montrez Harold. Love Thaddeus Young. Both should be starting in this league. Thaddeus Young's proving he should be starting. Come on, Montrez. Get up there. Somebody promote this man to the starting rotation, please. Ugh. But uh, anyway, he's getting good minutes out there. 29 minutes, 25 points, 6 assists, 4 rebounds. All 4 of those rebounds offensive as well. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, alrighty. So that was the NBA from last night. Let's see what's on deck today. Alrighty, we got Raptors, Pistons, Nets, Pacers. Ooh, Karis LeVert's first game back against the Nets. This is going to be fantastic. Um, 76ers and Bucks live today, ESPN, 7 o'clock. That's going to be a great game. Hopefully, she, uh, Joel Embiid can play to go up against Giannis because that's going to be fantastic. Ooh, ooh, watch this game. Folks, watch this game. Bucks, 76ers, ESPN, 7 o'clock. Going to be great. Um, Kings, Wizards, Celtics, Cavs, Spurs, Bulls, Warriors, Rockets, Heat, Grizzlies, Hornets, Nuggets, Clippers, Mavericks, 9.30 ESPN. Wow, we got some great games on tonight. Yes. Sir, all playoff like teams, high caliber teams, Mavericks. I mean, folks, this Mavericks team has truly impressed me this last kind of week. Um, like the week before the All-Star break and the week after this All-Star break, they are absolutely impressing the heck out of me. Watch out for Friday. We are still going to do our power rankings on Friday, I think. Uh, but it is the first day of March Madness, which could be a little hectic. But I think we are going to try and squeeze in our power rankings there on Friday for the NBA. And I think I'm ready to move this kind of Mavericks team up, folks. Where are they at currently? I know they're number 10. Let's see if they can kind of move up, just kind of looking right here. Oh, yeah, they can pass the Celtics, Blazers, maybe not the Heat, maybe the Bucks, depending on what happens today. 
Um, maybe the Nuggets, depending on how they kind of close out this week. But uh, the Mavericks, I can see them definitely moving up to possibly number six or something like that. So very, very well done. This is going to be a huge game for them. Great competition in the Clippers. So we'll see what they're able to do here with this game. But, oh, all right, a lot of games on. Let's see if we can find some uh, value very quickly here with our moneymaker. Um, all right, so here, oh, here's our moneymaker from yesterday. Blazers minus two, they win by one, unfortunately there, so just missed that one. Lakers minus eight, they win. How much did they win by? Uh, 16. Oh, yeah, perfect there. And then we ended up having the Celtics plus four, and like we said, they lose by what, seven? Uh, eight. So unfortunately, we just lose there. But um, you know, decent there. Hit the Lakers minus eight. Blazers minus two. They win by one. Very very close there. Celtics plus four. They lose by eight. Unfortunate there. So we were close. Um, we were close. Once I, I mean, we're always close, folks. Right? I mean, we never like we always hit. You know, about you know, only missing truly one. In the Celtics one is kind of the only one that we truly lost. The the Blazers minus two. I mean, come on, come on. Um, all right. So let's um get these lines up to date here. Let's go get on track and hit an official winner here, right? Oh, and I love this one all day. I love it already. I love it already. All right, so here we go. Nets, Pacers. Nets minus three. Pacers plus three. I'm taking the Nets minus three all day. I do not care. Yes, I understand. Karis LeVert's first game back to the Nets. But once again, this Pacers team, they've got no real depth. They dig it a little bit deeper now that... Um, you know, um, who is it? McDermott can come off the bench. I get that, but still, they got no great big. DeAndre Jordan should have no problem. Whoever they have off the bench, be the five, should have no problem. I'm not a big fan of Miles Turner. And then we still get the clutchness of Kyrie Irving and James Harden on a nightly basis. So, um, so here we go. Blake Griffin and Kevin Durant are still out. Um, so everybody else is good to go for the Nets. And then for the Pacers, Jeremy Lamb is a game-time decision, and TJ Warren is still out. So basically, everybody's good to go for both these teams. Yes, Karis LeVert's probably going to do decent, but this Pacers team, they've never beaten any elite teams at all this season. They are rarely even competitive against these better teams. They you know, usually lose by like 10. Um, so still kind of a blowout there. Yes, I think Karis LeVert will help them. I think it's going to be a little bit too early for this Pacers team to start getting back on track with Karis LeVert. But uh, Nets minus three, it's great value always. I would have no problem swallowing three here. Um, the biggest thing uh, for this line is the, the Pacers are home, but I still do not trust this team. Um, I do like Karis LeVert, but I do not trust anybody else on this team. It's a bonus. That's fine, but... Uh, uh, Nets minus three. Love it, love it, love it, lock it. Like we say here, bet the Nets big, folks. Every single game, three here. We only have to swallow three. That's that's heaven. That's heaven. That's guaranteed money for us. Uh, swallow the Nets minus three, folks. Do not get intimidated by Karis LeVert on this Pacers team. It's not that scary. It's good, don't get me wrong, but it's not scary. This team's not scary overall. Alrighty, next game up, Bucks 76ers. 76ers plus five and a half. If Joel Embiid is playing, you're damn right I'm taking that. Give me those points at home. Everybody's going to go for the Bucks. 76ers. Oh, Joel Embiid is still out. Darn it. Darn it. Um, so we can't take the 76ers plus five and a half. Truly unfortunate. Everybody else should be fine besides Danny Green. I mean, we saw that man still not stepping it up. Jesus. Um, so that's why we can't take the 76ers. No Embiid, and we never can trust Danny Green. Uh, the Beef for the Bucks may be able to eat all day, all day down low now because no, no because of no Joel Embiid. So we'll see what happens there, but we are going to have to stay away from this game, unfortunately. 
Um, alrighty, then we get uh, Kings and the Wizards. Kings plus two, Wizards minus two. Alrighty, a little interesting here. Probably going to stay away from this one because, of, you know, two teams that really can do whatever they want on a nightly basis. It's, we don't know who's going to show up for either of these teams. Uh, so for the Kings, oh, Hassan Whiteside, game time decision. So is he going to finally come back? Marvin Bagley is out, though. That's kind of a big out for them. And then for the Wizards, Raul Neto's game time decision and Ish Smith is still out. So no great value here either way. Plus two, minus two. Uh, Going to stay away from this one. Just two wild card teams, really. <clears throat> Alrighty, then we get the Raptors and the Pistons, and I think everybody's back for this Raptors team. Fred Van Vliet, Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, game time decision, Patrick McCaw, game time decision, Siakam, game time decision, but OG Ananubi is still out with the COVID-19. Now for the Pacers, uh, Wayne Ellington, game time decision, Rodney Magruder, game time decision, Dennis Smith, game time decision, Hamadio Diallo is out, that's kind of a big out for them. So, um, interesting here, I do like the Raptors minus four, did that just climb? Did that just climb? Were we talking about minus three? Um, I think we were talking just minus three. Um, just went up as we're talking about it. So I'm sure now those players are definitely playing. Um, first game back for all those players for the Raptors. I want to see them get into rhythm before we take them. Um, it should be fine value to take. If you want to take Raptors minus four, I've got no problem with that. Um, let's just kind of see how they all get back into rhythm. I mean, this is an easy first game for them uh, versus the Pistons. But uh, we'll stay away from them because I think the Pistons have been decently competitive these last like three games. Can we check this out really quickly if this will load? Um, and it's not loading, so we will not do that. Uh, so let's move on. Here we go. Celtics, Cavs, Celtics minus eight and a half, Cavs plus eight and a half. Well, we feel not even remotely confident in taking eight plus points with this Cavs team. We've seen their very, very, very lackluster production very lately offensively. So... Uh, we're going to stay away from this one, hands down. I'm not swallowing 8.5 with the Celtics. They just couldn't get it done. They're on a back-to-back. -back. And then I'm definitely not taking 8.5 here for the Cavs because their offense is absolutely atrocious right now. So for the Celtics, Tristan Thompson is a game-time decision. And then for the Cavs, Kevin Love is a game-time decision. And Matthew Dellavedova is a game-time decision. So, yeah, not feeling, uh, not feeling great on any of these spreads. We have to move off of that. Alrighty, Warriors, Rockets, Warriors minus 12, Rockets plus 12. Garbage for that Rockets team. Um, everybody's going to go for the Warriors and for the Rockets. Eric Gordon is out. John Wall is out. Victor Oladipo is out. Wow. Uh, ben McLemore is a game-time decision. Daniel House Jr., game-time decision. P.J. Tucker out. Christian Wood, game-time decision. David Waba out. David Exum out. Oh, my goodness, folks. Everybody's still out. So, yeah, let's swallow the 12 here for the Warriors. This is a great momentum game for the Warriors. Get everybody good. Get everybody on track. Let everybody have a great game here so everybody's confidence is up moving forward we just saw Steph Curry on the bench barking at everybody then he comes on and says like can we can we be done getting blown out please because I'm sick of it so this is the time to get back on track this is a time to build a lot of morale to build everybody's confidence up nobody's playing for the Rockets they're trash anyway even if everybody was playing this is the game for the Warriors look out for a big win we'll swallow the 12 for the Warriors love it Alrighty, Spurs, Bulls, close one here. Spurs plus one and a half, Bulls minus one and a half. We just, we've seen uh, DeMar DeRozan's been out for a little bit for the Spurs team, so let's see if he's back. 
Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge is still out because they're trying to trade him. Uh, DeMar, DeMar DeRozan is still out, so we have to stay away from the Spurs here where the Bulls, uh, Garrett Temple is out. So not ready to trust this Bulls team just quite yet. They were on a back-to-back, -back, no? They just played last night? Yes, they did against the Thunder. So going to stay away from that, uh, the Bulls, because of that reason. Going to stay away from the Spurs because of the DeMar DeRozan reason. So let's finish off these last three games here. Hornets, Nuggets, Hornets plus 6.5, Nuggets minus 6.5. All righty. Let's see who's the ins and outs for this one. Everybody's going to go for the Hornets and for the Nuggets. Gary Harris is out. Monte Morris is out. RJ Hampton is out. So kind of the usual suspects that we've been talking about are out for the Nuggets. So... <clears throat> This is interesting here. I'm definitely tempted by the Hornets plus six and a half just because they're on a four-game winning streak and they've kind of been doing decently winning games. Uh, let's see who their last four opponents were. They beat the Kings, the Raptors, the Pistons, and the Timberwolves. I don't want to say those are trash teams, but, you know, those are kind of... <laughs> kind of trash team so yes it's good wins for the Hornets don't get us wrong but I mean the level of talent they've been winning against not the greatest there um the Nuggets I mean they still got Jokic how is Cody Zeller gonna handle him not very good we've seen Jamal Murray not have the best games these last couple of games I think that's why they lost maybe two games ago um can I double check this real quick against the Mavericks because Jamal Murray only scored 10 points. So, yeah, exactly. So, depending on what J Jamal Murray is going to do, he'll probably have a good game. But just the bigs alone for this game, Cody Zeller versus Jokic, that's why we really can't believe in this kind of Hornets team just quite yet. We love their scoring, and we love LaMelo Ball, don't get us wrong, but we want kind of a more better big. Uh, Cody Zeller's definitely getting it done out there. Do not get us wrong on that as well. Uh, this Hornets team is, you know, above 500. They're in the playoff hunt because of, you know, everybody in that starting line. Lineup. So I'm not knocking Cody Zeller, but compared to Jokic, I'm going to take Jokic every single time and tomorrow. So uh, we'll stay away from this one. Hornets plus six and a half. It's tempting value, folks. It is tempting. Going to stay away from it. All right, then we get the Heat and the Grizzlies. Oh, my God. Heat plus one. Grizzlies minus one. They better hope somebody's out for this Heat team or we're going to swallow this value all day. Alrighty, Andre Iguodala is out. Avery Bradley is out. But, hey, um, Bam Adebayo is going to be playing. So that's great. Um. All right, and then for the Grizzlies, Jaron Jackson is out. Well, I'm going to rock with this Heat team. I'm over this Grizzlies team. They're on a three-game losing streak. Um, there's just they've just been not doing anything good. They're losing against the Suns, the Thunder, the Nuggets, the better teams in this league besides the Thunder. Even though Shea Gales Alexander's good, but I mean, like, what are we doing here? Who are they beating? They're beating nobody. They're beating the Wizards twice. They're beating the Rockets. Congrats! But once again, they're losing to the Bucks, the Clippers, uh, the Mavericks, the Suns again. So it's just nothing great by this team. They're not beating the good teams. This Heat team is a good team. Basically, don't have to swallow any points here. Just have to pick the winner. I'll take this. Heat team. We'll rock this Heat team till the wheels fall off. I mean, they're nine and one in their last ten. Five game winning streak. Like I said, we'll we we will ride this Heat team till the wheels fall off. Let's complete this moneymaker with the Heat plus one. And then the last game of the night, ooh, we might have a four-team brewing on our hands, folks. Clippers, Mavericks. If everybody's going to go for this Mavericks team, I'm taking the points. Clippers minus two, Mavericks plus two. Let's see who's in and out. Patrick Beverly is still out for the Clippers. That is huge. Sergi Baca is a game-time decision. Uh, he'll probably play, but if he doesn't, I mean, that's even better for us. Now for the Mavericks, James Johnson is out, and Dwight Powell is a game-time decision. So that's all we need to see. Yes, sir, Mavericks, they've been streaking lately. Everybody's been getting it going. While I'm still not ready to be firm believers in this Clippers team, folks. 
This Clippers team is 4-6 and six in the last 10. They're not dangerous. Nobody's clutch. Nobody's ready to step up. Paul George is still having not great games. We only The only person you have to worry about on the Clippers is Kawhi Leonard. That is literally it. Nobody else steps up consistently for this team. Oh, they are on a back-to-back. I did not realize that. Mavericks just won their first meeting 109-99 on the road. Or no, they were at home. All right, so maybe we stay away from this one. The second the second game never turns out the way you think. I forgot they were on a back-to-back with the Clippers. They just faced on the 15th and one, 109-99, and now they're facing again tonight. So we're going to stay away from that just because of that reason alone. I do like the Mavericks, though. Should we just risk it? Do we risk it for the biscuit, folks? <sighs> we should risk it. We should risk it. I do not like this Clippers team at all, man. I truly hate this. I hate them. I hate them. All right, let's see what everybody did here since uh, they just faced on the 15th. Paul George had 15 points. Kawhi Leonard had 22. Now for the Mavericks, uh, Doncic had 25. Tim Hardaway Jr. had 21 off the bench. Porzingis had 22 points. That was really it. Nobody else stepped up hugely after those three. Man, oh, man, still at home. Do the Clippers get it done? Can we trust the Clippers? Hmm. Let's take the Mavericks. No. No, let's get back on track. <laughs> let's get back on track. All right. So we'll solidify the three-teamer here. Nets minus three. Warriors minus 12. Heat plus one. Let's get this money banker back on track. Let's not push it with the Mavericks plus two there, even though it's pretty good value and it's still calling me. Uh, but we'll stay away from it. We'll try to we'll try to hold firm and stay away from it. Uh, so a nice little three-teamer tonight. Nets minus three. Warriors minus 12. Heat plus one. Alrighty, yes sir, it is March Madness time, let's start talking about that, we are so close to March Madness folks, Thursday, tomorrow, it starts unofficially with the first four in, and then Friday, officially at 12 o'clock Eastern, we get all the chaos will ensue, so here we go, let's kind of just um, update this a little bit, we do have our own challenge here, our takes by fans challenge here on bracketchallenge.ncaa.com, the links are in this video, the podcast description, the links are there if you want to join the tournament or just go to bracketchallenge.ncaa.com and look for our group's takes by fans you can search by group there search takes by fans join the group because the winner of our bracket challenge will be able to come on the show and talk about whatever sports topic you want to talk about for however long you want to talk about folks so it will truly be your show for the day we'll go along with it see whatever you want to talk about so if you want to come on the show if you want to be on the show gotta go and beat me first of all first of all First of all, you got to beat me, which I don't know if anybody's going to be able to do because, you know, we started a show for we started a show for a reason, folks. Um, so that's what we got going on. We currently still have three participants up in here. So we'll see if anybody can uh, any of them can dethrone us. Um, Alrighty, and then to help us out with our picks, we do have our own algorithm. We are taking three-point percentage, fast break points per game, field goal percentage, opponents points per game, points in the point, points in the paint per game, points per game, steals per game, rebound margin, offensive rebounds per game, adjusted performance, defensive efficiency, offensive efficiency, second chance points, true shooting percentage, and assist to turnover ratio. That's kind of everything in our algorithm, weighted low, medium, or high, and that's how we're kind of figuring out who we feel is best suited to win most of these games <clears throat> so we just did the 
South yesterday. So let's kind of recap that a little bit. We got Baylor coming out of the South. We love their kind of scoring output. We love their bigs as well. Uh, so that's why we got Baylor coming out. But we do have a couple of upsets. We have Winthrop beating Villanova 12-5 in the first round because, I mean, Winthrop, they've got a great chance of going forward. They've got a great team according to our algorithm. They're putting out great scoring production. Their defense is getting it, is getting it done, and they're looking real good out here. So Winthrop with a nice upset over Villanova. And we also have Colgate. Colgate's going to go far, folks. We love what they're doing. We've got them going all the way to the Elite Eight, but then just losing against Baylor. So watch out for Colgate. Once again, they've got great scoring production, and their defense is great as well. So watch out for Colgate to make a big run. I've got them upsetting Arkansas in the first round. Then I have them upsetting Utah State, who upsetted Texas Tech in the first round. Then I have Colgate. Yes, you've heard me right. Colgate upsetting Ohio State in the Sweet 16 too get to the Elite Eight where Baylor will beat them. So we do have a couple of upsets here in the South like we just had in the West as well. So let's do the East today. See if we can get any other big ol' underdogs coming up winning bigly let's see if michigan can be the one seed that makes it out like gonzaga and baylor have been so without further ado here we go our east coverage of the bracket here we go we do have a play-in game at the 16th seed here mount versus texas versus southern texas i'm assuming so let's plug them into our algorithm and see who is going to be officially facing Michigan here at the 116 matchup. So we got Mount. I don't know what Mount is. I'm assuming like Mountain College. It's the only thing I could think of. <laughs> Moorhead State, Mount St. Mary's. I don't know if is it is it that? They are a 16 seed. Mount St. Mary's. Yeah, okay. That's gotta be them. Alright. Mount St. Mary's Versus uh, Texas Southern. Let's get them in here. Mount St. Mary's. Isn't that the one with the uh, that really old woman that we all went crazy over in 2018? 2019? Whatever the second to last tournament was. Um, all right. What are we trying to do? For, uh, Texas Southern. Texas Southern right here. All right. Here we go. Texas Southern versus St. Mary's. Oof. Oof. Close here. Uh, 24.3 out of 100 points in our algorithm for St. Mary's and 32.9 for Texas Southern. So we are predicting Texas Southern wins. But let's go a little bit deeper into these stats. Here we go. Three-point percentage. St. Mary's is at 33%. Yo, Texas Southern is trash at threes. Can't hit them. 27%. Trash. Field goal percentage, though, for Texas Southern is better, 45% compared to 42% for St. Mary's. Opponents' points per game. St. Mary's is only giving up 62, where Texas Southern's giving up 69. Oof. Oh, St. Mary's is trash. Oh, wow, they're big trash. So St. Mary's is giving up 62 points a game, but they're only scoring 63 points a game. They're winning by one point a game. That is not great. We cannot take that at all. So this is where we have to stop it right here. We have to take Texas Southern because they're giving up 69 points a game. They are winning. Uh, they are putting up 74. So they're winning kind of by five points a game. Definitely better than that one-point margin there for St. Mary's. Um, rebound margin is the same at uh, five. 
Adjusted performance. Yo, St. Mary's is trash. All right, St. Mary Mount St. Mary's is absolutely garbage, folks. They're at 0.28, the lowest we've ever seen while doing this at adjusted performance, while uh, Texas Southern's at 0.31. So truly not a good team by uh, Mount St. Mary's. So we will officially choose Texas Southern as the matchup against Michigan. So uh, Texas Southern wins their playing game and goes against Michigan. So let's get Michigan loaded up against Texas Southern here. Alrighty, and then clear favorites here of Michigan, which should not surprise us because, yes, St. Mary's was looking trash, but Texas Southern was also looking trash. They were just better just in comparison. So, alrighty, so Michigan is the winner here. Let's just make sure the stats are kind of, you know, speaking to us so we can, you know, definitely take Michigan. So, Michigan's three-point percentage shooting is 38% compared to 27% for Texas Southern. Like we said, Texas Southern cannot hit the three, folks. Uh, field goal percentage, Michigan's at 48%. Texas Southern is at 45%. Opponents points per game, Michigan's holding you to 65, Texas Southern still holding you to 69, and Michigan's putting up 60, 76 points a game where Texas Southern is putting up 74. So better scoring or better win margin by Michigan than Texas Southern. They're putting up more points, holding you to fewer points, so fantastic there by Michigan. Rebound margin is in Michigan's favor, 6.5. Adjusted performance, yes, sir. Michigan's at 0.46. Fantastic there. All right, let's just do true shooting percentage, and then we'll uh, officially declare a winner here. So true shooting percentage, Michigan shooting 58%, and Texas Southern shooting 53%. So hands down, clear favorites of Michigan. But I do want to kind of just point this out. Of all the one seed that we've seen, Michigan's kind of the most lackluster. So we'll see if they're able to even make it out here. So watch out for a big upset as we're continuing on through this East here. Michigan may not make it that far. They Those stats and everything. Everything like that has not really impressed us of what we've seen so far in the West and in the South. So here we go. Michigan, very well done. They can beat Texas Southern. That's not truly impressive. <laughs> Alrighty, now let's go to the 8-9 matchup here. LSU, and I believe this is St. Bonaventure. So let's get them plugged in here. LSU. Let's see where St. Bonaventure is going to be. Hopefully they're just at the S's. St. Bonaventure, there it is. Alrighty, the 8-9 matchup, and whoa, little upset here potential. So, 38.7 out of 100 points for LSU, where St. Bonaventure's at 42.8 out of 100 points according to our algorithm. So, St. Bonaventure with a little bit of an upset. Let's see if the stats agree that we kind of weigh heavily here. So, here we go, three-point shooting, both at 35% from three. Field goal percentage, LSU's at 46%. St. Bonaventure is at 45%. Opponents points. Wow. Opponents points per game. LSU is giving up 75 points a game. That's trash defensively. And St. Bonaventure is only giving up 60. Wow. That's great defense. Um, and then points per game. All right. Now, this is where it can get a little wild here. Uh, LSU is putting up 82 points a game, where St. Bonaventure is only putting up 70. And LSU holds you to 75. So we'll see what happens there. Something's got to give there, right? Um, alrighty, rebound margin is in favor of St. Bonaventure, 4.5, where LSU is at zero. They're not even, they're giving up as many rebounds as they're getting rebounds. So they're not having any success down low with their bigs. Adjusted performance, St. Bonaventure is at 0.41 and LSU is at 0.37. Wow, that's huge for St. Bonaventure. 
Alrighty, offensive efficiency goes to LSU with 103 compared to 98 with St. Bonaventure. Higher numbers better. Defensive efficiency goes to St. Bonaventure, though. Lower numbers better. 84 for St. Bonaventure compared to 94 by LSU. And then true shooting percentage, kind of close here, but it goes to LSU. 57% for LSU and 54% for St. Bonaventure. Woof. Uh, I think I'm ready to agree with this upset for St. Bonaventure. I do like their kind of defensive performance a little bit, but LSU's got some nice offensive performance putting up 82 points a game. Um, you know, so that's definitely heavy in the favor. So do we take offense or do we take defense? Let's quickly here go to the depth chart here to see kind of, you know, what's going on here. The bigs, the guards. Uh, so let's go to LSU first. Then we'll do St. Bonaventure. Just looking, like we said, we want great bigs and we want great guards. We want great scoring output by the guards. We want good rebounding output by the bigs. So let's see if we can get kind of a tiebreaker here by just kind of looking at their depth chart. Uh, LSU. Here we go. Alrighty. So LSU's guards. Let's see what we got. Alrighty, their guards, point guards, putting up 17 points a game and three assists. Shooting guards, putting up nine points and barely an assist a game. Then their bigs, alrighty, their power forward, seven points and three rebounds. Their center, 12 points and eight rebounds. Not terrible, not terrible. We've seen better bigs. Alright, that was last season, so let's do this season's bigs. <laughs> Jeez, uh, it updates a little bit and kind of throws us off. But here we go, for this season alone. So let's talk about this. 2020 season, this season. Guards, point guard, 21 points and one assist. Now we're talking. Um, shooting guard, 15 points, three assists. Alright, they're bigs, 12 points, 10 rebounds. And their center, 19 points, eight rebounds. Alrighty, that's not bad. That's better than what we were thinking initially. Alright, so now let's go to St. Bonaventure now. So they kind of have good guards and good bigs down there. Um, all right, St. Bonaventure. All right, St. Bonaventure, where art thou? Where art thou, St. Bonaventure? All right. So LSU had some great bigs and some great shooting guards and some great guards, I should just say. Um, so here we go. St. Bonaventure, their guards, their point guard, 13 points a game and six assists. Their shooting guard, 11 points and two assists. Their bigs, their power forward, 13 points and four rebounds. Their center, 11 points and 10 rebounds. All right. So a little bit of better scoring production across the board from uh, LSU, which is, you know, what the stats said here. But I think I think we're going to call the upset here with St. Bonaventure just because of that defense or performance. I mean, they're giving up only 60 points a game. That's pretty good. And then that just kind of doubles down with the adjusted um, adjusted performance. You know, that takes account into who you played and how you ranked and how you fare. And they give a better adjusted performance to St. Bonaventure compared to LSU. So we're going to take St. Bonaventure here. Let's count the defense. Yes, sir. St. Bonaventure advances. Alrighty, now let's go to Colorado versus Georgetown at the 5-12 matchup. So let's get them plugged in. Georgetown and Colorado. Georgetown is not looking good here. Just off the rip. 26.2 points. Yikes. Alright, then Colorado. 
Oh, Colorado's good. 41.4 points out of 100. So here we go. Colorado kind of clear favorites here. Let's just make sure the stats are looking good. Both shooting 36% from three. Opponents points per game. Colorado's holding you to 63, where Georgetown's holding you to 70. Points per game. Georgetown's only putting up 71. Wow, they're only winning by one point a game there, Georgetown. That's trash, where Colorado's putting up 73 and winning by like 10. That's fantastic. Alrighty, rebound margin is very close there. 4.1 for Georgetown, 3.8 for Colorado. Adjusted performance very much in favor of Colorado, 0.38, where only 0.29. That was trashed by Georgetown. We just saw one trash one by, what was it, Texas Southern or something like that? Alrighty, uh, what do we got? True shooting percentage. Uh, Colorado shooting 56% and Georgetown is shooting 53 So this is a no-brainer for us. Colorado heavily, easily, finally. I was going to say, is every 12 seed going to upset the 5 seed? Because that's what we've had so far in the West and the South. We've got the USCB in the West upsetting Creighton in the West. And then for the e or for the South, we've got Winthrop upsetting Villanova. So finally, we have a good 5 seed here in Colorado. Oof, alrighty. All right, so Colorado, hands down. We don't even need to watch or see any more of that. All right, now we get FSU in UNCG. Don't even know what the heck that is. So let's find FSU first. <laughs> All righty, FSU, Florida State, and now, hoof, can we figure out this one? UNCG. Huh, huh. Hopefully they're just UNCG here. <laughs> CG, CG, UNCG. Yeah, not going to find that, so we'll just Google it. UNCG, UNCG basketball. What is that all about? Let's see. Greensboro, UNC Greensboro. Spartans, I don't even know if I can find that now. UNC Greensboro. Mm, oh, yikes, <laughs> yikes. Greensboro. What the hell is this? Oh, UNC Greensboro. Here we go. All righty. All righty. And Florida State kind of clear favorites. 47.6 out of 100 points for Florida State, where UNC Greensboro's only got 32.3 out of 100 points. So let's see if the stats agree here. Uh, Three-point shooting, 39% for Florida State. So they hit the three well compared to UNC Greensboro, only hitting 30% from three. Opponents points per game, UNC Greensboro holding you to 67 points, where Florida State's holding you to 70. Points per game, Florida's putting up 78, where UNC Greensboro's putting up 73. So kind of the same there uh, compared to their opponents points per game and their scoring output. About a 6 to 8 point win for both teams there. Alrighty, interesting. All right, rebound margin, similar, very similar. 5 for Florida State, UNC Greensboro, 4.1. Adjusted performance, both at .37 there. All righty. Defensive efficiency goes in favor of UNC Greensboro, 86.9. 90 for Florida State, lower numbers better. Offensive efficiency, bigger numbers better, and Florida State's got it 101.5 compared to 94.8. True shooting percentage. Wow, Florida State's got some great shooters out here. 58.1 true shooting percentage for Florida State compared to only 51 by UNC Greensboro. So, um, kind of, this is kind of very close here. I do want to quickly look at just Florida. Let's just look at Florida State's roster. If their roster is looking good, we'll kind of confirm them. We won't go and look at UNC Greensboro. Uh, but let's see if Florida State's looking good here. 
in their depth chart just to kind of, you know, get us some solidified value here because they are kind of looking close in kind of those stats that we kind of account heavily uh, against UNC Greensboro. So here we go. Their point guard, 12 points a game, one assist. Shooting guard, two points. Oh, my goodness. Two points a game, one assist. So they might have a little bit of a not great player out here. Uh, their power forward, 12 points a game, five rebounds. Their center, nine points a game and six rebounds. What is going on with this team? This is not looking like a good team out here. Yikes. Yikes. I wonder if they have a um, an injury, a COVID-positive player, because that could not be good. And all these all these uh, totals are in their last five games played. So, you know, in their tournaments, maybe they had to go somebody. So let's. I do want to kind of look at this quickly. Let's see if I can look at this quickly. Did we get any news by the, just their basketball team? Any big stories? Hmm. Not getting any uh not getting any big uh big stories out here for Florida State. So now I'm gonna have to go to UNC Greensboro now. Now we gotta go to them. Alrighty, let's see if we can find them quickly. UNC Greensboro. I mean, cause those off those those players were not impressing me. <laughs> those players were not impressing me from Florida State. So here we go, UNC Greensboro. Alrighty, their point guard's putting up 25 points and 5 assists a game. Holy cow, their shooting guard's putting up 11 points and 3 assists. There are 4, oh, they do not have good big. 6 points and 3 rebounds for their power forward. And then for their center, 6 points and 7 rebounds. So, yeah, they don't got no great bigs where they do have great guards, UNC Greensboro. But Florida State's got decent guards and bigs. So we'll take the decent across the board instead of just a front-loaded um, guards for UNC Greensboro. So we got Florida State beating UNC Greensboro. Alrighty, now let's move. Oh, we got another playing game here in the East. We got MSU and UCLA. So let's plug them into the generator to see who moves on to face BYU. So MSU and UCLA. I think uh, MSU is Missouri State, I believe. Are they a nine seed? No. All righty. Um, Morehead State? No. Who the heck is MSU? Is it Michigan State? It is Michigan State. All right. Um, all right. Michigan State and UCLA. And, of course, UCLA is not under the U's. They've been, doing to, they've been doing this to us all freaking these last couple of days here. All righty. So here we go. USCA kind of clear favorites here. 35.3 points out of 100 where Michigan State's only at 21.2. I think that may be the lowest we've seen. All right. So the stats here. UCLA, better three-point percentage shooting, 36% compared to 32% of Michigan State. Field goal percentage, UCLA's at 46%. Michigan State's at 42 
opponent's points per game, UCLA is holding you to 68, where Michigan State is holding you to 70 points per game. UCLA is putting up 72, where Michigan State's putting up 69. Folks, they're losing. They're not even, oh, that's so funny. They're giving up 70, but only putting up 69. So they're losing the majority of their game. So we're taking UCLA hands down just on that alone. Uh, rebound margin, UCLA's favor slimly 4.8 to compare to 3.5. Um, and then true shooting percentage, 55% for UCLA and only 52% for Michigan State. So, I mean, Michigan State's not even winning games, so we can't even take them as the winner here. So we will have UCLA winning their play-in game and advancing to BYU. So now let's get BYU into the algorithm here. Alrighty, and then they are clear favorites over UCLA with 49.9 points. So the three-point percentage shooting, BYU is at 37.8, UCLA is at 36.7. Uh, field goal percentage better for BYU, 48% compared to 46%. Opponents points per game, BYU is holding you to 68. They're both both teams are holding you to 68.5 points a game. That's fantastic. And then, but BYU is putting up 78 points a game while UCLA is only putting up 72. Rebound margin is heavy in favor of BYU, a plus 8 compared to a plus a plus 4.8 for UCLA. Adjusted performance is at 0.45 for BYU, so even good, even better. Um, and then UCLA is at only 0.35. And um, true shooting percentage, 58% for BYU and 55% for UCLA. So kind of hands down, clear cut, BYU will beat UCLA, who will beat Michigan State. <laughs> Alrighty, so we got uh, basically all the favorites kind of winning here in the East, unlike kind of compared to the West and the South so far. So interesting. Let's see if it keeps up. Here we go. Texas and ACU, a 3-13 matchup. Alrighty, I'm going to guess ACU is Arkansas? No. Why would I think that? Appalachian State? Um, oh, Alabine Christian. Yes, sir. There it is. Um, 314. Yeah. All right. All right. Now let's get Texas in here. Wow. ACU. ACU has actually got a nice kind of, um, output in our algorithm with a 53 out of a hundred. Oof. Who are they facing? Texas. All right. Texas. ACU's number threw me off. <laughs> I did not expect them to put up 53. Oof. All right, now Texas. Where are they at? Here we go. Texas, 39. Wow. Texas is only getting 39.7 points out of 100 compared to Albine Christian putting up 53. So here we go. Let's go a little bit deeper into these stats here. Both shooting 35% from the three. Uh, field goal percentage is very close, 46% for ACU and 45% for Texas. Opponents points per game, ACU is holding you to 60, where Texas is holding you to 68. The points per game, ACU is putting up 77, where Texas is only putting up 75. Wow! ACU is winning by 17 points a game, folks, where Texas is barely squeaking out a uh, 7 points a game win there. All right, rebound margin in favor of Texas, slimly 5.3 compared to 3.5 for ACU. Adjusted performance, ACU's at .38, where Texas is at .42, so better for Texas there. Defensive efficiency is better for uh, ACU, and offensive efficiency is pretty much the same at 9.8, or 98 for both. All right, true shooting percentage, very close as well. ACU's at 55.8%, and Texas is at 56.4%. 
Alrighty, I'm kind of in favor of this upset, but let's quickly look at what both of these teams' uh, depth charts are looking like. So we can start here with Texas, since we just found them quickly. So their point guard, 15 points a game, three, re three assists. Their shooting guard, eight points and no assists. Their bigs, their small forward, 13 points and two rebounds. Their power forward, five points and three rebounds. And their center, 13 points and eight rebounds. So really nothing fantastic there. Decent. Alrighty, so now let's go to Alaburton. They're actually the very first school up here. Absolutely fantastic. Alrighty, if they got some good depth here, if they got some good players, we may be taking the upset. Alrighty, their point guard, seven points and two assists. Their shooting guard... Five points and five assists. That's pretty decent. Small forward, 11 points and two rebounds. Power forward, 11 points and four rebounds. Their center, 14 points and five rebounds. Ugh. Nothing really clear cut for either of these. So I'm ready to call the upset, I think. Albine Christian, folks. They're putting up so many points a game, and they get it done defensively. And compared to adju their adjusted performance was definitely, you know, a little, a little lower than what Texas is. But still kind of close. 0.38 for Albine Christian and 0.42 for Texas. And the adjusted performance is a measurement of how impressive a team's record is calculated by combining strength of schedule with winning percentage. A higher number is better. So not bad there. Not bad. They get it. They're good defensively, folks. Kind of good offensively, too. So uh, we're going to call the upset. Let's call it Albine Christian upsets Texas. Alrighty, moving on to UConn in Maryland now, the 7-10 matchup. Get them plugged in, Maryland. There they are. And UConn. We say UConn? Who do we just say? UConn. And, of course, UConn is not with the U's. Here we go. All right. So, UConn, clear favorites here, 39.4 points out of 100, where Maryland's only at 27.8. All right, three-point percentage shooting is going to Maryland with 35% compared to UConn's 33%. Field goal percentage goes to Maryland, 45% compared to 43% for UConn. Opponents points per game. Maryland is holding you to 65 points where UConn's holding you to 64, so very close there. Points per game goes to UConn, 72 points a game, where Maryland's only putting up 68 points a game, so just squeaking out some wins for Maryland. Um, points in the paint. UConn is a little bit better there by 472 points in the paint. In, or no, that was points per game. Never mind. Regard, disregard that. Um, alrighty, rebound margin heavy. Oh my God, Maryland is in the negative, so they're getting out rebounded. No great bigs for Maryland. UConn is at six point six. Adjusted performance is heavy for UConn, point three seven compared to point three one for Maryland. Um, true shooting percentage. Bo Maryland's at fifty six percent. UConn's at fifty three percent. So UConn doesn't have great shooters, but they do have better bigs down low. So. Compared to Maryland, yes, we will call UConn with the win there. No upset there for Maryland. And then the last of the first round in the East, Alabama and Iona. So let's get them plugged in. And then we can start talking about some second round matchups. So here we go, Alabama and Iona. All 
All righty, kind of close here. Alabama, 41.1 points out of 100, and Iona, 36.4 points out of 100. All righty, here we go. Both shooting 35% from three. Um, Alabama shooting only 43% field goal percentage. Iona's putting up 44. Opponents' points per game. Iona's holding you to 65, where Alabama's only holding you to 69. Now these points per game, Alabama's putting up 79, and Iona's only putting up 72, so kind of close there. 10-point win margin for Alabama, 7-point win margin for Iona. Rebound margin is Iona's favor, 5.5 compared to 1.8 by Alabama. Adjusted performance is heavy in favor of Alabama, 0.45 compared to 0.34 for Iona. So Alabama facing a lot of kind of better teams. Their schedule must have been a little bit harder here. Um, all righty, and then... Uh, let's do um, true shooting percentage, 45% for Alabama, 55% for Iona. So really, I was liking Iona a little bit, but that adjusted performance is winning me back with Alabama. So no upset here. We'll call it for Alabama moving on. All righty, now let's go to these second round matchups. Now we got Michigan versus St. Bonaventure. And like we said, I mean, Michigan did not come out with a strong kind of uh, performance here with the only 51 points. So we'll see if anybody can upset them. So let's get St. Bonaventure plugged into here and then go from there. All righty, Michigan favorites over St. Bonaventure, 51 points out of 100 for Michigan, 42.8 points out of 100 for St. Bonaventure. All righty, the three-point shooting, Michigan is better, 38% compared to 35%. Field goal percentage is better for Michigan, 48% compared to 44%. Opponents' points per game, Michigan's holding you to 65, but St. Bonaventure's holding you to 60. Michigan is putting up 76 points a game, where St. Bonaventure is only putting up 70. So both have about a... Um, a, a 10 point win margin there. Um, rebound margin in favor of Michigan 6.5 compared to 5.4. Adjusted performance is 0.46 for Michigan and 0.41 for St. Bonaventure. True shooting percentage is in favor of Michigan, 58% compared to 54%. So very, very close here, but I think we got to give it to Michigan. Once again, that adjusted performance. These teams in the West are facing higher, higher, or in, this, in the East are facing better opponents here. So we will have Michigan beating St. Bonaventure. No upset there. Then we get Colorado versus FSU. Colorado versus Florida State, who will advance in this 4-5 matchup. Alrighty, ooh, Florida State has the edge, 47.6 points out of 100 compared to Colorado, where they only have 41.4 points out of 100. So here we go, three-point shooting, better for Florida State, 39% compared to 36%. Field goal shooting, 47% for Florida State, 45% for Colorado. Opponents' points per game, Colorado is holding you to 63, but Florida State's holding you to 70. And the points per game, 73 for Colorado and 78 for Florida State. So 10-point win margin for Colorado. Eight-point win margin for Florida State. Steals per game, Florida State heavy 7.4 compared to 5.3 for Colorado. Adjusted performance, kind of close here, 0.38 for Colorado and 0.374 for Florida State. 
defensive efficiency kind of close 88 for Colorado and 90 for Florida State lower numbers better and then offensive efficiency both the same at 101 true shooting percentage 58% for Florida State and 56% for Colorado so 58 and 56 so really really close here both of these teams are really close man Let's see what uh, Colorado is working with. See what Florida State and Colorado are working with in their depth chart to see if we get any big uh, discrepancies. So Florida State point guard, 12 points a game, one assist. Shooting guard, only two points and one assist. Power forward, 9.6 rebounds. Power forward, 12 points, five rebounds. Center, 9.6 rebounds. So nothing great there by Florida State. Now let's go to Colorado. Alrighty, Colorado now. Alrighty, point guard. Look at that. 20 points a game, 4 assists. Shooting guard, 2.0 assists. Small forward, 8 points, 2 rebounds. Power forward, 11.6 rebounds. Center, 3 points. Oof. So they have a great point guard. That's what Colorado's got. So um, the algorithm favors Florida State. The players favor Florida State. So we will favor Florida State. Alrighty, then we got BYU and ACU. Can ACU knock off another great player or another great team? Let's see. Well, the algorithm says yes. ACU still at 53 out of 100 and BYU 49.9 out of 100. Alrighty, BYU has better three-point shooters. 37% for BYU, 35% for ACU. Field goal percentage, BYU has it 48% for BYU and 46% for ACU. Opponents' points per game, ACU is holding you to 60. BYU is holding you to 68. Uh, points per game, ACU is putting up 77. And BYU is putting up 78. Um, Alrighty, what do we got? Steals per game. Damn, ACU has got 9.9 .9 steals a game where BYU has only got 4.8. Rebound margin is in BYU's favor, though. Plus 8 compared to plus 3.5 for ACU. Adjusted performance is 0.45 for BYU and 0.38 for ACU. And let's do a true shooting percentage, 58% for BYU compared to 55% for ACU. So, yeah, I mean, kind of close here. Uh, Going to give it to BYU, better kind of shooting performance, and they are kind of a high adjusted performance at 0.45. So they are facing better competition. ACU is still good. Their adjusted performance is still 0.38, but BYU is better, and their shooting is a little bit better. So, yes, ACU does knock off Texas, but they do not knock off BYU. All right, then that brings us to the last round, or the last matchup in the second round, the UConn versus Bama. And Bama clear or slim favorites, we should say. 41.1 out of 100 points for Alabama, where UConn's got 39.4 out of 100. Alrighty, the stats a little bit deeper here. Alabama's got the better three-pointer. It's 35% for Alabama, 33% for UConn. Field goal percentage, both shooting 43%. Opponents points per game, Alabama is holding you to 69 points. UConn's holding you to 64 points. Alabama's putting up 79 points a game. UConn's only putting up 72 points a game. 
All right, rebound margin. UConn's got the rebound margin, though. 6.6 compared to 1.8 for Alabama. The adjusted performance is in Alabama's favor, though. 0.45 compared to 0.37 for UConn. Defensive efficiency and offensive efficiency are both very close, only off by about a point or two points for each. Damn, true shooting percentage. Alabama has it by 54% and UConn has 30, 53%. So once again, very, very, very close here. Dang it. That adjusted performance is kind of calling me for Alabama. But let's uh, double check these players real quick. Let's see what Alabama's got going on with their players. All righty. Here we go. Point guard for Alabama. Six, 14 points a game, one assist. Shooting guard, nine points, one assist. Power forward, seven points, zero rebounds. Power forward, 12 points, nine rebounds. Center, two points, two rebounds. So they have a good power forward and a good shooting guard. Let's see where UConn is doing. All righty, UConn. Connecticut, 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 Connecticut. Where art thou? Where art thou? Here we go. All righty, do they have a better shooting guard or a better point guard in a better, what was it, power forward? Something like that. Let's see what they got. UConn's depth chart. Their point guard, 12 points, 4 rebounds. Shooting guard, 17 points, 2 assists. Um, point guard was 12 points, 4 assists. Small forward, 6.7 rebounds. Power forward, 11.6 rebounds. And center, 10 points, 5 rebounds. Yes, sir. I'm taking UConn. Yes, sir. Uh, the algorithm was kind of, you know, telling us Alabama was close, but I'm liking UConn's players a lot more than Alabama. So we got UConn with the upset over Alabama. Alrighty, now let's finish the uh, the final four teams here in the East. So we're back to the 1-4 matchup of Michigan and FSU. Florida State versus Michigan. Michigan has the edge here. 51 out of 100 for Michigan, 47.6 out of 100 for Florida State. The three-point shooting is better for Florida State, 39 compared to 38, but it's very close. Um, field goal percentage in favor of Michigan, close, 48 out of, uh, compared to 47. Um, opponents points per game, Michigan's holding you to 65. Florida State's holding you to 70. Florida's putting up 78 points a game. Michigan's putting up 76. Um, rebound margin is close. Five for Florida State, 6.5 for Michigan. Adjusted performance is heavily on Michigan's favor, 0.46 compared to 0.37. And the true shooting percentage, both shooting 58%. So once again, the adjusted performance is going to set our tone for Michigan here beating Florida State. And then for BYU and UConn, let's get them in our algorithm here. BYU and UConn, we love UConn's team. So if this is close, we're going to take UConn. 
UConn BYU and the algorithm tells us BYU by a big margin 49.9 points out of 100 for BYU 39.4 points out of 100 for UConn so here we go three-point shooting is better for BYU 37.8 percent from three compared to 33 percent for UConn uh, BYU is just shooting better 48 percent compared to 43 percent uh, BYU BYU is holding you to 68 points a game UConn's holding you to 64 BYU is putting up 78 points a game while UConn's putting up 72. Rebound margin is in favor of BYU, 8 compared to 6.6. Adjusted performance is heavy of BYU, 0.45 compared to 0.37. And true shooting percentage is in favor of BYU, 58% compared to 53% by UConn. So um let's quickly can we quickly find out what BYU is doing with their players I want to see what kind of their roster is looking like all righty point guard for BYU 12 points four assists shooting guard 18 points three assists small forward seven points five rebounds power forward eight points eight rebounds center 13 points six rebounds all righty so kind of good across the board and the algorithm agrees so we will choose BYU over UConn and now that brings us to the elite eight in the east Michigan versus BYU who comes out of the east here we go Michigan Uh, 49, wow, very close, 49.9 for BYU, 51 for Michigan out of 100, so here we go, three-point percentage, 37% for BYU, 38% for Michigan, field goal percentage, both shooting 48%, BYU is holding you to 68 points a game, Michigan's holding you to 65, BYU is putting up 78 points a game, Michigan's putting up 76, rebound margin, eight for BYU, 6.5 for Michigan, Adjusted performance, 0.45 for BYU, 0.46 for Michigan. Oh, man, this is so freaking close, folks. True shooting percentage, 58% for BYU, 58% for Michigan. Literally so freaking close. It's going to come down to who we like better, which roster do we like better. Do we like just kind of the decent uh, across the board? Nothing great. No standout guard or standout big. Better guard than big here. Or do we like Michigan? Let's see what their players are rocking with. Alrighty, their point guard. Michigan's point guard, 10.6 assists. Their shooting guard, 10 points, 1 assist. Their, power, their small forward, 11 points, 5 rebounds. Their power forward, 6 points, 5 rebounds. Their center, 11.7 rebounds. And honestly, I'm liking BYU a little bit more here, folks. Their players, I'm liking them a little bit more. So we are going to have a big old upset. BYU able to beat out Michigan and get to the final four. Yes, sir. BYU versus Gonzaga is our first official um, Final Four matchup. Fantastic. Alrighty, so that's our East, folks. Not a lot of upsets in the first round. We got ACU upset over Texas. That's the biggest upset we've got. Um, and then we've got, uh, what else we got? UConn over Alabama, an upset in the second round in the in the East. And then we got BYU beating out Michigan. Yes, sir. The first number one seed not making it to the Final Four will be Michigan. All righty. All righty. That is going to do it for us today. We'll see if there's any breaking news as we're leaving here.
Not seeing any. Oh my God! AJ Green is going to the Cardinals. Oh boy, that is fantastic. The Cardinals are Super Bowl contenders. Their defense was getting right at the end of the last season. Their offense just added another huge piece. Holy moly. Wow, wow. That is absolutely fantastic for them. Wow, the Cardinals are great. The Cardinals are great now. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Wow, 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 wow. Alrighty, well, that's going to do it for us now. <laughs> that's the only breaking news that it seems like. Alrighty, so we're back tomorrow finishing our bracket right in time before everything uh, starts officially tomorrow at 5 o'clock. So we'll have our bracket completely filled out. Who will win, folks? Who will win? You'll have to find out tomorrow. <laughs> You'll have to find out tomorrow when we crown the winner of the March Madness Tournament. Um, so thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. We're back tomorrow live, noon Easter, finishing our bracket, folks. Alrighty, we're